0: Welcome to another episode of the Clinical Audit and Improvement Podcast from AMAT, the audit management and tracking tool which is developed in partnership with our users. So my name's Dom Coleman and in this episode I'm going to be learning about benchmarking NICE guidelines and I've got two guests with me today to talk about it and both are highly knowledgeable on the subject. Welcome first to Madelina Blow who's a registered nurse and NICE implementation manager at the University Hospital's Morecambe Bay. Maddy began her journey in 2009 at the University of Medicine and Pharmacy, Carol de Vila, in Romania, before accepting a job in the Patient Progression Unit at Furness General Hospital. From there, she completed Steps 1, 2, and 3 in critical care before becoming the Clinical Effectiveness and NICE Guideline Coordinator. And then in January 2022, she became the NICE Northwest Chair and then NICE Implementation Manager. And welcome also to Georgina Coote from West Suffolk Foundation Trust where she's the Clinical Audit and Effectiveness Coordinator. Georgie began her clinical audit career back in 2018, helping to reinvigorate the team when it restarted after the pandemic. From there, she launched the first Trust Clinical Audit Awareness Week in 2021 and developed a clinical audit training programme in 2022. Georgie has been instrumental uh, in participating in the National Design and Development of the new nhs future site so welcome to you both and thanks for giving up your time so we, i'm sure there's going to be lots to talk about so let's jump straight in with georgie georgie could you just outline how things are currently uh, at west suffolk please
1: of course yes so um and thanks to emma for the invite today um really looking forward to this afternoon this morning even um, so where we are at west suffolk wow it's it's been a journey i think it's been Uh, That's fair to say for us. Um, So I have come back into clinical audit, as as Dom has mentioned, in 2018. Um, Following a sort of response to the pandemic, I was working clinically through that and have come back in 2018 into West Suffolk and then joining um, clinical audit in uh, 2021. So we've been on a journey and in the last couple of years, Um, we've launched a quality improvement uh, project on clinical, um, clinician engagement um, and engagement and through the effectiveness of the clinical audit program. So the topics today are going to be really interesting, to say the least. Um, we've spent a huge amount of our time um, as part of our training program, but we spent a lot of our time working on our clinician um, professional, our working relationships with with our clinicians to to understand where their heads are in terms of priority, clinical audit priorities and how clinical audit sits in their priorities list. I know we'll talk about already, um, we're planning to talk about. So that's a little bit of where what we've been focusing on. Um, We've expanded our team, which which has been Fantastic and really key for us to spend the time needed. So we now have a full-time administrator whereas before we had one in the department we now have three. Um, We have a clinical audit team of three which is really small to some people but we are a relatively small acute organisation and we're a district general hospital so we are very small compared to some others. Um, Yeah, we have around 400, 500 beds so relatively smaller compared to uh, bigger organisations. So with that, but bearing in mind the amount of clinicians compared to a wider organisation, we we do have very personal relationships and with our clinicians um, we are able to meet face-to-face. We are all on site. I'm predominantly on site or full-time. So having that those face-to-face conversations where we've been working recently to see how we can develop um, working, working better with each other, that's been really key. Face-to-face, seeing people, whereas seeing faces over the last few years over a screen has been really hard um understanding from their perspective um their capacity and also what patient involvement have they had um, in their in their experiences with clinical audit we've touched on a little bit with them something we want to work on later down the line Um, but i think a journey in itself is probably the best way to describe it Um, we are we are further forward than where we were in terms of making clinical audit a priority in the organization we work and sit alongside the patient safety team we are an early adopter of p for those that have already heard the patient safety and incident response mm. framework launched, we are an early adopter of that. We have launched patient safety audits of outcomes for drivers for investigations as a, as a method of investigating incidents reported. We have launched a couple of patient safety audits, um, which has helped, I think, uh, 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 the engagement I've already, you know, I'm, I'm talking about has really helped clinicians understand why we're using clinical audit i think having a national drive from PSERF and and using patient safety audit as an approach to investigations has helped clinicians understand why clinical audit is so important um we're obviously coming up to clinical audit awareness week um which launching for the third year um which i'm really excited about our first clinical audit poster competition which we're launching and i can't wait for it um there's other bits I probably want to talk about later on, but that's probably a little bit of a summary of where
0: we are. No, that's fantastic, and and yeah, I mean you mentioned quite a few things that, that I'll, I'll, we will pick up on yes. uh, later on about about clinicians, time yes. and, and involvement and, and things like that. And I suppose on the on, a, on the subject of time, mm-hmm. Maddie, you you kind of you gave a great talk at, at the conference about mm-hmm. clinical variants, and and I suppose that you were looking i mean you'll tell us but you were looking at how to reduce the 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 things that you don't need to do basically look at what's actually effective and georgie mentioned effectiveness there quite a few times so this is key so i wonder um maddie if you could kind of take us from there please
2: uh, yes, th- thank you. That that's amazing uh, journey you have uh, there, Georgie. Yeah, well, well done. Um, I think for for us, we are not very far. We're not very uh, different in terms of a lot of organisation that I get in touch with from my um, because, because I am the Northwest Chair for the NICE Forum, I get to talk to a lot of uh, trusts. And even though we feel like, oh, we could have done better, we could have been better, we could have been at this level. Actually, it's 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 a journey, it's it's a process. If I was to finish all of the benchmarking and all of the audits tomorrow, well I won't get, I ain't got the job on Tuesday then. So it is a continuous process and uh, the improvement when we are talking about the the effectiveness, I think it is one of those one of those details that Us as an organization, and as I said, I think a lot of organizations, we tend to put different departments in different boxes. So you'll have patient safety in one little box, and then you'll have quality improvement in a different box. You have audit in a different box. Most of the time, they have different, different teams, different heads of service, different managers. And even when you have a slight delay in communication, that's when you can actually slow down your process and the, the effectiveness, it's the cumul of all of these uh, systems that we have in, in place. Um, so in my department, I always have a joke as uh, we are clinical audit and effectiveness. And well, my boss has clinical audit and effectiveness, so I guess I'm the effectiveness <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> clinical audit <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like hi I'm the effectiveness uh, but but the clinical audit it actually has an effectiveness uh, part in it because that's why we're doing clinical audit we're not interested to know how how many coffees in in a department they are drinking every morning we're actually interested to know if we are giving the treatment that we should should give and we have the the benchmarking at that level so it's a it's it's a very Direct link through all of the departments, all of the governance governance team as a whole. They all have a little piece of the pie. Yes. Yeah. And uh, as you were you're saying about my my presentation at the um, conference. Um, I put two subjects there: uh, reducing the unwarranted clinical variance and moving away from measuring uh, nice compliance in percentages. They are very, very close to each other, and I—you can't have one without. The clinical variants. We have to understand that we'll always have clinical variants because we are not looking after robots. So we're looking after people. They we are different. You don't have two patients the same. They have preferences. Um, They have different uh, mortality, morbidity levels. They have different uh, illnesses that can affect the results. So it is a cumul of factors that when a doctor is taking consideration. Um, with the patient uh, a treatment so that could be classed at clinical variance but that's warranted because it has a reason behind it oh. the unwarranted um, unwarranted clinical variance is when we are lacking of all this information that the benchmarking will bring as in hello team this is the 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 best practice this is what we have evidence for uh, this is how we should do it with the asterisks, big asterisks there, that this is the evidence uh, of best practice, but you always have to keep in mind the patient uh, specifications. Um, and also we are at the moment in a continuously shuffling of, of, of stuff, which I think it's everywhere. Uh, therefore, you will have <clears throat> a lot of preferences from the clinicians. They prefer to do this surgery this way that's not necessarily the best way but that's how they prefer but when they prefer that it's that's when you have the unwarranted one because even if we are in the benchmarking let's say i think we had um we had one of the NICE guidelines, and it's a, it was about the infection uh, prevention for the surgical sites. And NICE was saying that we should use this chlor prep, and our clinician, they were preferring iodine. that that was a preference. But why are they preferring? They were understanding that the chlor prep was giving a bit more uh, security on cleaning the skin, but they liked the color. And isn't it, they like the color of iodine because that will give them the security that they actually clean ah. a different area, yeah. like a specific area. So, that preference for them, it it was an easy fix. We got the chlor prep that was colored. So, it, it, it was an easy fix. But that could have, that would actually, uh, some of the clinicians were using iodine because they were preferring that. The other ones, they were using prep because they, they were following the, the guidance. And we had different results on, re, on infection sites on those interesting, clinicians. Interesting. So, it, how did we find out that? We've done the benchmarking and said, right, and we went and we thought, what is it? Because you know. I don't wanna say very damn well. But you know and you actually you're actually telling us that you know that you that the the chloroprep it's better, but why do you do it? Because we like the fact that I can see yeah, exactly yeah. where I clean. I was like, brilliant, let's get you the colored one. Yeah. And that will fix both of them. We also had another another thing that we actually need to and why I'm using this example. We also had a few that said how about if I use both, they started using iodine, they used the prep as well, it was absolutely no, actually the patients were a bit better, they were getting two different things. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they took a time until they actually move to that to, to, to the prep, that was good. W- what we've done, we've done an exception report, the trust knew about this, the trust was looking into how to help and how to engage the clinicians. So the clinical variance is not necessarily bad. Yeah. It's bad in a certain uh, situation when there will be different costs involved or safety for the patient through personal beliefs. Um, but yeah I can go I can go on for <laughs> hours for this one. It's a bit of a of a, of a passion here. I uh, but- tell. it's
1: good. That's why, that's why we're here though isn't it? It's I think just listening to that. And I think for for our listeners, I think people that listen in will just see, well, this is what it's about. And I think I often and I can I'll be honest, I can forget about that. I think I've had I've had a an eye into the, the clinical world helping through COVID, supporting through COVID, but going onto the ward, seeing it, seeing the guideline that we're supposed to be looking at, we're supposed to be following, and actually just speaking to people and saying what works for you. That's we don't do that enough and we do need to do we need to be what I was saying about earlier, we need to speak, we need to be communicating with the people on the floor, taking into the consideration yeah, unwarranted or warranted variation of what we need to do. Um, we've worked recently on a, a sort of a gap analysis approach. So looking at risk-based, um, yeah, risk-based recommendations rather than those lovely publications that come out with those line-by-line recommendation spreadsheets that we all love. Instead of trawling through that for hours and hours with clinicians, having us have a simple one word uh, one page document of what are we worried about what are you worried about where are we at the moment and is there anything we can do to support you and can we do we need to enter this on the risk register can we support you in speaking about this at our clinical effectiveness group and taking forward your risk? Or your accepted risk and we have that a record somewhere, we have that minute somewhere that we've had the conversation. It's just people, I think, from what you know Maddie's saying, I think people just need to feel they're being heard. Um we're not just people here that need to be a tick box. I'm trying so hard to push that, that we aren't just sitting here behind our desks, behind our screens, ticking lots of boxes because we need to. Yes, we have a tick box, we do have a regulatory compliance. For people, you know, for CQC coming in, where have you looked at your guidance? Where are you, etcetera? There is there is a tick box element, but I don't want it, this to be our our day to day. Fantastic example, um, Matty. I think that will be really interesting for people to listen to. You really well. Uh, it's been for me. Um,
2: the tick box exercise. It took us a little bit over fourteen months. to Interesting. Move. Interesting. from this um, not to move from ticking a box to actually get to a point where we have different teams understanding that I'm not coming there one I'm not there to challenge them as in hmm. look for yeah. what they're doing bad uh, that's that's not my my role there uh, also I'm not there to just say yeah I've asked you well done good job pat on the back see you in three years but uh, And all the challenging questions that I'm asking is to pre-warn different inspections and different safety elements and different mm-hmm. complaints because I, I don't know any of the doctors any of the nurses that like complaints it's like you, mm. if I am to get a complaint as a nurse I, only to have my manager saying we have a complaint my pulse will be 150 I'm <laughs> like whew, what is about it <laughs> um, so complaints it, they're not easy to take on, on our professions because everybody's there not for the paychecks as you know they could have been better, they're there because we are empathics and we want to help people and we want to give a better care. So at the beginning of this journey, when I was joining audit meetings, now they call audit and nice meetings, it took me a lot of work to put that nice element well in. Well done. Uh, when we're, it was Quiet, like literally, everybody could see. Quiet. I had to work myself and talk to myself and ask question and answer myself. Where now, if you are to come, they understand my role and they will help me to help them. Um, are we are where we supposed to be? Not yet. Can we do better? Absolutely. Have we improved? Massively. Uh, at least on the way that we report, on the way that we approach the the clinician, because we need to understand. At the end of the day, I'm not the only person that is asking them things, right? You have CQC asking them for a report. You have patient safety asking them for a report. They need to do a mortality and morbidity report. It, it's a lot, and most of them they don't have enough PA no, given gosh. to them to to uh, to SPA term, whatever it's called, yeah. to actually. Yeah do all of that. And yes, nice, it's important. Yes, audit, it's important. But is it the most important aspect of the care? No, it's not. It's the combination of all of them. So I can't just stay there and say, uh, yeah, we have this 200 lines of benchmarking um, that you need to give me an answer if you can in the next seven days. No. So one of the important steps that we've done in this journey, which it, it it was very well received, we changed our KPIs and made them more achievable. Because at the beginning, we had uh, seven days for acknowledgment. That was actually a tick box, as in they need to acknowledge my email. What for? I've sent you an email. <laughs> you should read it. <laughs> I don't need an acceptance for my email. Um, and you could have been on annual leave on those seven days. So that's it. You failed the first KPI. The second was 30 days to do the benchmarking. And the third one was 30 days to implement. And that would include a business case. That was like, really? It's no way we can achieve wow. that. We, we, apps, yeah, That's really sure. interesting. So we moved away from that. And now we have uh, 30 days of accepting to... Um, benchmark or if you don't you can actually delegate somebody else from your team or you can say it actually it's not for me it's a different uh, uh, department they have 90 days to benchmark and to do the action plan okay so if they are to do uh, if they are to have um, partially achieved improvement needed they will come with with a what's the area of improvement and who's the person responsible to do the improvement um and we highly advise don't put yourself don't put your name down unless you actually are the person to do that so we highly encourage put your service manager in there because they might help you put your director of nursing in there because it might be under them or finance whoever it is Uh, and then they have 60 days to start a business case, so to start a conversation of a business case, in those 60 days, at the end of those 60 days, depending on, because it could be the business case, it could be to buy a, a, a bed, so that's not very hard to create, but the business case could be that to get the commissioners to change something, so that could go up to 12 months, but at least they can come from that point and give their own timings, said come back in six months and I'll give you more information that helped them massively to actually engage in a good time frame.
1: We found that um, with with our new approach um sort of last year, when we were looking at the gap analysis approach, we had a one month, we've got to, I think, was it one month you had to, we had to complete the baseline assessment by and put forward your action plan, actually probably the same as putting a business case in it, if, if appropriate now no we we, we've actually done something very similar to yourself maddie we have a three month i'm not gonna i don't use the word deadline um we have a three month uh target or plan by all of this wording is so important i think um not just with report, not just with reporting, but when you're speaking with people, I think the approach is so important. So, we just have a three-month three, three month plan. Um, we asked some idea, some evidence of what you're going to be doing, what your service is going to be doing. It's interesting you spoke about the service manager element, and I, I think we might talk about that later on, or I can mention now that we we're working on a sort of system-led approach um, so working with our service managers with our national audit report recommendations nice guidance recommendations so we are working with the service themselves and the management support that they should they are doing every day in their role service managers or operational managers a lot of this is operational service led so we are linking in with the clinical leads allocated we are linking in, including them and the the service managers in that it's it's their responsibility absolutely as well. We've had that discussed and agreed that it absolutely is. We've had that agreed and and pushed from our Associate Director of Operations actually who, um, for surgery, who sort of started this conversation actually with us and has really supported us and it's been great. Um, And actually even a point, I've got uh, an audit training in the diary for them next month because they want to be learning more and they want to have more knowledge on audit itself. Um, some of them have got to the level and they've got an idea already, um, but they've asked for that. And that's been pushed by the um, senior operational managers um, for me- medicine, actually I'm meeting with them next month. And I'm so pleased, so pleased. Um, and it's not just the service managers, it's the clinical directors level. So, obviously, every, oper- you know, every organisational structure is slightly different, but we have clinical directors and um, they have an oversight report, which is very similar, I, I can imagine, that, that, that yourself, Maddy has. Um, and we now have um, post, uh, year post, we now have an associate director for clinical effectiveness who we see once a week. You know, he only has part of a PA, one PA a week. You know, somehow he squeezes that in. He's a consultant, an atheist. Um, He might be another one for another podcast. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and He's been so so impactful for us and helping us, just reaching us out there, getting us on the agenda, getting clinical effectiveness on the agenda, getting nice on the agenda at clinical governance meetings. That's been so, so helpful for us. Um, And like I said, we've got this sort of role, role, well, improvement project in our own own service, what we're trying to do. So, so interesting to hear um, from another organisation.
2: Wow. Well done on on getting the service managers involved. I'm still, yes. I'm still. Uh, I want to say struggle with that. I think my main my main problem is that I have such an amazing people that I work with, but it's so hard to add more, not necessarily jobs on their on their day to day job because they are so overworked, and oh, awesome. I am really I am really trying to to to. Make them understand that I am not asking for more things to do. I'm asking for information that they help. What you doing. Yeah. What you doing? <laughs> because they already know those stuff. So at the moment, I am not as, as far away as you, as advanced as you. What we, what I recently introduced from June, as in 16 days ago, uh, obviously it was planned before, but I only started now. Um after we finish the benchmarking of the NGCGs and we have um, an outcome, I invite the service manager with the um, audit lead for that department and I ask them about uh, incidents, complaints, um, yes. um, risks, all of that to, to give me a sort of a positive reinforcement of assurance or if it's not positive we will see <laughs> what the result is but they have information to those dashboards, they have access to the risk register, they know, they discuss about their risk register for their service ev- ev- at least every month so it, it's very easy for them to give me a, a, a number and to give me an update on that risk uh, so are that because we started to do that and they finally understand why I'm asking them and what I'm asking them they are start to come uh, easier and I think the fact what helped is I made um, step-by-step as in take pictures of Ahmad screens as in you press this button go to the (laughs) next button it worked it absolutely worked it's a step-by-step dumb proof how is it dumb dummy proof I don't know for and They can generate their own reports and the fact that they can go down to the business unit specialty and so they can only look at gastroenterology. They don't have to look at the full medicine because they only have gastroenterology. So the fact that they can pull all of them and it gives that pie chart of actions, that seems to be the bit of a carrot that they like. Um, We are in terms of the directorate, we have... um, deputy medical director that support us quite a lot and she is our chair for the first level of meeting that I'm uh, I'm reporting we do have an effectiveness associate directory clinical effectiveness clinical variance and GERF. oh that, that name it's it's that's actually the name of the job but I think because they are so um, worked with the curved which it is what it is. The girth. It is what it is. That's a full podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Tom. That's a full podcast. That's Three hours.
1: Time.
0: <laughs> yeah. a deep um, dive into girth. Yeah. Oh
2: wow. Gosh. Yes. Um, I, I, yeah. I dip my my toes a bit, and I come out, and I said, "No, it's not not for me." <laughs> it's
1: not an overnight one, is it?
2: No. Um, they are more into into that, so I I don't I don't have yes. that. But I think yeah. the fact that I have the deputy medical director. So Very easy to to get to. It's it's important and it's it's good for for us.
0: So you both mentioned um, various stages. So the system led approach is really interesting there for me, Georgia. In that we are seeing this more and more, especially and you mentioned Surf, which is a system led yes. approach. Mm. Uh, and in other podcasts, we've heard the same things. Use the word understanding uh, uh, earlier on, Maddie and it's it's this good communication and Mm -hmm. but then they obviously got to come up to the fact that time is limited you know the the resources are massively stretched how on earth do you put benchmarking uh into the kind of the schedule for clinicians
1: so we've um that's a, that's a very good 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 question. We we worked with our we are working with our um, ACPs lead um, corporate lead, So that's the advanced care practitioners who are having their job plans um, re reviewed. And we are working on having twenty percent of their time, um, so eighty percent clinical time and twenty percent. We are working with the ACPs. To, we, we've made a hopefully pushing a priority to have twenty percent of their job plans job plan working with us working with the patient safety team on not necessarily supporting investigations but perhaps um, pushing that agenda of patient safety first, the the, the agenda, the the education. We're also gonna be using them, hopefully, to support and get out there, perhaps supporting the baseline assessment completions, the um, gap analysis completions, to support us and undertaking trust priority audits, um, which is gonna be really good on the back of, um, where are we if we get a, a nice guidance published? We're not actually sure where we are. We haven't done an audit very recently. They might be the ones to undertake that, um, but I mean, in terms of sort of clinician schedule, we had—I had a conversation with a clinical director not long ago, and that they said our clinical leads have. I think he said two hours per week clinic clinical lead time. He said, "This isn't in there two hours. This isn't happening in there two hours." And I said, "Thank you for telling me." Yeah thank you for telling me um this was i think this was this was a medicine example um so i said thank you for telling me how can we look at this um so on the back of you know i said we were working perhaps with our acps to who can support those clinicians that are are perhaps struggling with time um it isn't going to happen overnight the fix is to have 10 more consultants and 10 more hours in the week that's the answer that's not going to happen um but I think I was just appreciative of the honesty. But in terms of benchmarking, I think there's national tools that are available, you know, NCAP, you know, National Benchmarking Resource, the national platform which I supported building with the sort of networking site for NHS Futures. That's going to be useful. Um, putting it as a priority, I don't know what's the, I don't know what's the the, the, the the answer. I think being an early adopter. I think people clinicians have seen what your how the organisation is taking a priority. What the organisation is taking a priority on, it is taking patient safety as a priority. We just we just launched a patient safety month. We are part of that. You know what we're doing every day is linked to patient safety. We are ensuring our patients are, are, are safe when they're coming into hospital. Um, they are. F- it, with working with the experience team, we are trying to work with the complaints team to see what what complaints have you received. Do we need to do an audit potentially on a service? It's trying to. I think well, the only thing we can perhaps develop a little bit more is the clinician understanding what we're doing behind the scenes to actually help their service. That you're when you're going onto the ward when you're doing your ward round actually we're doing some stuff in the background we're working with our complaints and experienced patient team we're hopefully going to be doing a bit more on that but this is going to be helping you when you go and see your patient and when you go and speak to them on the bed at the bedside we are doing something and they feel confident and I think our next step is how we can work at patients knowing what we're doing I've got it on our one of our this is how well and our change I do actually is how can we look at Patients' involvement and patients knowing what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I think. But, yeah, I don't know if that's an answer. Probably no, it is. It's a
0: great answer. <laughs> I mean, we, incident, interestingly enough, we did a, a podcast uh, about junior doctor audits and uh, uh, Dr. Mohammed uh, Abdulaziz mentioned how... Important. Exactly what you just said is this kind of this conversation where you understand the role of clinical audit and what it does and what it does. So, Maddie, um, how how do you do? Do you knock on doors? I I
2: I agree with you ninety (laughs) percent. Um, I agree with you that, uh, yes, uh, we do have, um, we do ask quite a lot from that mm-hmm. SPA time. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only us in Nice and Audit, there are other things that they need to do a report for quality board and such. I, I Yes, we did check uh, and we found out that some clinician didn't even had it in job planning and that had been uh, rectified. But we did introduce now that when we're talking about benchmarking as such, at least the first part of we don't necessarily need a consultant. And we should be absolutely fine with an advanced nurse practitioner, uh, different grade of doctor depending of or the specialty, or the ward manager, the service manager. It, the people that they are actually using that service and they are running that service are the people that know that service the best. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the consultant. But yes, we do run run it at the end, uh, pass them and say, are you happy with our findings? Or do you want to add uh, a little bit more into it? So that part, uh, we it's a work in progress. We did offer them um, one-to-one uh, meetings, some of them prefer to come to the office and they will come in the office so we go we go um, on a different day in the office and we work with them there where they talk and we have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee and we, we benchmark while we're doing that or we do it over the teams and we will type for them but it's not as much about the typing for them, it's about the reading, the statement and because some of them they've, they can be very Clear as mud, and trying to ask the question of how do you do this. We also moved away from trying to put um, hard metric evidence behind every statement because it's not possible when we're talking about CGs, NGs, others. We don't. We you can't. You can't audit how many times the patient felt. You need to go and get the survey. You need to get. It's very hard and you can't audit every blood test that you've done unless you have to. It's really hard to do it, but you will be the best person to let me know, do we need to audit this? Do we have concerns that we're not doing that? Do we have a procedural document that is supporting that we're aiming to do that? And if that's so, what's your incidence? What's your risk? What, do you have anything that will suggest otherwise? If all of them, there are no, just leave it leave it with the procedural document pathway protocols and everything that you aim or your presentation and if you want to look for an area to audit you can put that on a wish list next to the forward plan which we invented or introduced i don't know if we invented we have the forward plan and we also have a wish list attached to it, it means that there are areas where the junior doctors can pick Different uh, teams. Uh, So we've done that and we focus to get the quality standards that they haven't been fully achieved, uh, partially achieved the improvement needed on every forward plan. So the quality standard, they will be automatically sent to them because that's where you need uh, the metrics. Not all of the statements in the quality standard will be will be measurable. Mm-hmm. Some of them say quality standard one, evidence of local ar- arrangements. That's absolutely fine. Just give me the evidence. But if the next statement is saying divide the number of the patients that they, they had CT in 24 hours, yes, we can audit that. And yes, we should look at that. Because in the NG associated with that quality standard, you told me that in your pathway saying that the patient should have the CT within 24 hours so therefore that's your metric so we've done that in terms of at least reducing the time that we are taking away from clinician and expanding the team the 10% of that I wasn't 100% agree with you so I said only 90% Thanks. I th- <laughs> So, yes, patient safety, it is important because we need to keep our patients safe since they are mm-hmm. trusting us with their care. Once they step in our building, they are under our care. You don't even have to reach the triage. They are under our care once they step in the building or in the parking lot. But the other little departments, or maybe I should take little out, the other departments, just like myself, I am a helping the patient safety because you need to have a, um, a prevention side of it. So, if you are to look at the patient safety, and you said, right, we have a safety component. And that could be other leg- legislation. It doesn't have to be only nice. It could be Health and Safety Act. So it could be mm-hmm. other yes. acts. If you don't do your benchmarking with those, if you don't have those implemented, then you will have more patient safety problems. So yes, patient safety framework, it, it's absolutely amazing. It, it, we are implementing that as well. But we are the oh, what's that name? You might need to take this out. What's the name of the people that they go into the ward? The first one, artillery. <laughs> we are the artillery in the back because we are trying to do all the little works to help the patient safety. Right. Um, I like so that. that. part, it needs a bit more highlight on the, on the podium, a, a little more attention because if health and safety team or waste management team, or benchmarking nice team, or procedural document team—they don't do their job properly, and they don't put uh, elbow grease into the work. You will suffer on the ba- or the patient safety. And it's not o- always—it's not only us doing our job. If you don't—if we don't get the same engagement from the clinician, the same—the same attention. From the clinician you will get more patient safety events mm. the prevention part the fact that you're standardizing your care and you identify the areas that you're not very good at because yes it's very good to know that you're good at everything and to have compliments. but our job is to find those areas what is it what what is that you can do the best that you should. Okay, so you need um, you need an AI program for your CT scan. Uh, fine. So your CT scan, it's there. You have the, but you, you need that AI. Will that ha- will that have an impact on patient safety? Yes, because you will be able to deliver those CT scans within an hour. For example, in major trauma, you will be able to deliver them. So the patient will be safe because we'll have access to the information. So it is the prevention and the forewarning mm. that it doesn't get as much attention.
0: And I look forward in... to the day when we're auditing uh, AI. <coughs> That's going to be a whole other uh, kind of level I really, of thing.
1: Like, I really like the idea of... Yeah, I like the idea of us seeing us as the prevention i like i like that mm. i really like that and i haven't sort of considered or thought about that and i agree i do agree um i think we perhaps i'm going to take some things away actually of working a little bit smarter oh um, I, I made, made was, notes as well <laughs> while you
2: were talking million. I was making notes and I, I, I don't have because obviously I don't have a paper next to me and I was like where should I put it and I was sending I'm sending <laughs> my messages to my boss <laughs> and she just replied back what's a what is this like,
1: don't <laughs> so worry I, about this it is, this is what it's about um, and this is why the you know part of the conference um, I'm not being sponsored but part this was you know part part of you know me and I've gone for two years now of part of why we go um and seeing talks and talking um to not necessarily similar size organizations all organizations I mean we just because of where we are we're actually we have very similar size um organizations next to us James Padgett is very similar size as an example Ipswich is a very similar size um so we do talk to them but actually it's why these days are so good and this is why this um is a good, really good opportunity. But I like that. I really like that prevention element.
2: Um, and our directorate doesn't what Doesn't ours. Not all NHS, not only HMBT. We don't necessarily like when we get reports from CQC and external agency that I said we could do better, do we? We Nobody likes them.
1: No, um, it,
2: it feels That's like, oh, we could have done that. We could have really done that better. And... Um, we we just implemented recently um um a way of escalating potential areas that could go under review from at least from from me from nice what i do is for example i get an ipg or i get i get a, a guideline that's a right date it's quite it doesn't look very well i think we should we should do a bit better. We should implement things because what we've learned is we have we've done a benchmark of a service. It wasn't great at all. Um, and two months, maybe six weeks, six weeks after benchmark, we ne- we even got to the chance to actually sign it off. So six weeks after, we got a peer review for that service. And I can send it. I I said it. I'll put it out there publicly. It's word by word. So you get the peer review saying you should have done this, 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 this. And then you have our benchmarking where we escalated. We should do this, 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 this. Apart from, I think, a bed that they identify somewhere that we should have. Obviously, I didn't have access to see that bed. Everything it's word by word. So this is telling us, once again, we could forewarn the CQC coming and saying you could do better on this area. Um, and this could be a bit of a... Um, sugar coating of Mm. how important we are to the directorate because they if i can tell you this is the area that you're not doing good and you know you're not doing good when cqc is coming you can straight away say yes we know We've done the benchmarking. This is where we are with the action plan. So you don't have to run around the office and say what action plan we should put because you're already working on it. And that should be you know, appreciated. And I, I know CQC, they always appreciate when you know about areas and you, you have controls put in place and, and, and other safety feature put in place. So, yes, that's another thing that we're working now. How can we use the benchmarking to forewarn the inspection outcomes? And that seems to to be a lovely subject.
1: Yeah, so we're not there yet. Um, I can't unfortunately add anything to that or any suggestions. We're not there yet. Um, I think just this week, you know, we were looking at sort of a priority matrix and it's been useful for us to do But I think yeah, there's a couple of bits that we can that we can take away. Um, Yes, yeah.
0: I'm really mindful of of both your time on this. Um, So it's there's one question I like to 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 end with, uh, if it's okay, and it's a kind of magic wand, a a, a wish list (laughs) kind of thing. And and, (gasps) you know, you can do anything. You can make one change. to, to positively impact uh, th- this, what what would it be, Georgie? Do you want to?
1: Yes. So I think for me, um, we, we at the moment we're doing some working on our sort of horizon scanning, um, work sort of national best practice publications identifying, um, a horizon spanning a horizon scanning excuse me, um, approach process of how we can identify best practice publications through the library service or national bulletins for example i would like a learning response lead in which i think is part of i think similar to um, maddie's role i think is very similar so uh, uh, a learning from um incidents for example but also publications that have been best practice publications and also our audits our local audits how can we learn from them um and I think that's something that I would like a post. Um, I would like Maddie. Share it into my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could make it now. I can't promise I could make that happen. It's a bit of a wait, I think. To you
2: live out. in a beautiful area, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I'm near Lake District, so. <laughs> well,
1: you know, anyway, Hard to but with I think. The Lake District. <laughs> It is. We go every year. Um, yeah, so I think a learning, we were talking, you know, about something, a learning response lead or implementation of nice other best practice, um, H did publicate recommendations, learning, all of this lovely fun stuff that we do every day. Um, I'd like that. Um, I would like um more man time for our clinicians you know more PA time you know like I said earlier 10 extra hours per week would <laughs> be fantastic
0: easy
1: the consult I mean the consultant <laughs> workforce you know is low you know lower or you know we are doing well you know but I think there's a huge you know na- national um, pressure for consultants you know we're in a in junior doctor strike at the moment BNA strike at the moment so um time more time um for our our clinicians um and when I'm saying that I'm talking consultant level ACPs nurses on the ward nursing assistants therapists radiologists everyone I'm talking about we are all doing it we are all and I know they're all doing it they're working on their improvement and patient safety and audit all of the time um but it's again it's just the time yeah. So yeah, don't know if that if I, yeah, that's my magic wand I
0: that's, think. That's a, that's a heck of a heck of a, a big genie needed to uh to fulfill that but yeah, that no, is fantastic that John. It's
1: nice to I think it's good to say out loud. It's good to address. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Just, to, I think, a bit of a brain dump,
0: if anything. <laughs> no, but it shows, the, it, shows, it shows the important things that are needed. And also that, again, it's across the system. It's, it's for everybody to kind of uh, get all this kind of thing. Maddie, what about you?
2: Oh, I, I think I would like a magic wand to make our governance framework more functional. Uh, It is functional at the moment, I'm not saying it's not functional, but more functional from my perspective and from my little department, as in how the flow of information flows. Well, that that sounds good. How the information flows and where does it get centralised, because what I know, maybe it's not the same what my colleagues from patient safety knows, or maybe they know something that I should know. And it's about the same subject. So the way that the information, it's centralized towards the board, I wish it it worked a bit better. Yeah. Um, that's the first part of the magic wand. And the second part of my magic wand would be for us to, for me to be able to advertise in brackets, advertise my department better. I'm working on that. I don't know how, but to advertise what we do, how we do, and who's helping us to do it. So you know, to put a bit more highlight on, I have absolutely uh, amazing clinicians uh, that they're helping me. So I, I feel like I should give them a bit more recognition. Not that I'm not giving them recognition, but I'm not giving them recognition at the level that they, they deserve as in to be a bit more highlighted in this framework, in this governance level
0: framework.
2: Yeah. That's my magic wand.
0: Amazing. Fantastic. There are so many areas we didn't touch upon um, (laughs) completely. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about, ICBs and and, uh, well I mean you, you touched on inspection outcomes and all sorts of things But we'll have to leave it there, I think, because both of you, you know, time is absolutely of an essence for both of you. I know it is. But so thank you sincerely for coming on and for for being so amazing. It's been a pleasure to talk talk to you. Uh, Well, to listen to you. (laughs) I didn't do much talking, which is all fantastic. You know, it's going well. Uh, And I'd just like to extend an invitation to anybody listening to this, that if you want to come and join me on a a future episode, it can be about anything that you want to do with Clinical Audit or Quality Improve uh then just email podcast at amat.co.uk and it's a platform for absolutely anybody involved in clinical audit you do not have to have amat at all we're not advertising us or anything this is this is really genuinely and sincerely about what you all do uh, and the things that that make your job important and it is so and please subscribe share this podcast wherever you can and thanks for listening so thank you both of you thank you very much
2: Thank thank you Thank you.